Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by an author, climate reporter, and former corner office columnist at the New York Times. His second book, The Man Who Broke Capitalism, is now out. We welcome David Gillis. Thanks for having me. David, let's go beyond the mic. If someone was to read the first 211 pages of your book, they would be filled with dread of all the destruction was caused by Jack Welsh. But the last 20 pages gives you a roadmap to fixing what's wrong. How many companies are too far gone to take those steps? That's a great question. And it's right at the crux of where we find ourselves as a nation, as an economy. I think there's still a lot of potential. And I think we're starting to see the first signs that business leaders at big companies, at small companies, are recognizing that we got to do something differently. That we look around, we know our country has a lot of problems that need urgent care and businesses can be part of that solution. So let's remember, these are individuals who run organizations and they can start to move the needle issue by issue, one decision at a time. That's what I hope people take away from this book. There's still a whole lot of opportunity for our companies and there are companies to make a positive influence on this world. One of the issues you brought up was the cheerleading by the financial media of these titans of business. Now, David, if I brought up something from your past that you didn't want mentioned, would this interview be over or a future request for time being denied? I mean, do you think that if by asking tougher questions, access would have been stripped? Hey, this is something I've been reflecting on with my own journey, with my own work. I've written my fair share of deferential CEO profiles over the year. And part of this project for me has been a reassessment of that kind of coverage. Now, listen, I I don't think business is all bad. I am a capitalist. I believe that the global free market has lifted hundreds of millions, maybe billions of people out of poverty, and we should not lose sight of that real success story. Nevertheless, we got to hold people responsible for the consequences of their actions. And too often over the last 40 years, men like Jack Welch have made decisions that put the profits of their company for Wall Street investors, for executives ahead of the better good, the common good for the people who actually do the work in factories, in stores. And that's the narrative I'm trying to change. Now, the world has changed significantly from the days of real food being served on airplanes and pensions being a standard rather than an outlier. How do companies meet expectations of shareholders and stakeholders and yet deliver benefits workers request in a very competitive environment? This is the central tension that so many CEOs I talk to face. And what they will tell you is that they are under more stress from more stakeholders, which is an imperfect word, but it means employees, investors, communities, supply chains. They're under more pressure than ever before. And balancing, getting right that balancing act is is essentially the, the biggest part of their job. It's possible though. And one example I point to in the book is the story of a company that raised wages for its employees, that started offering them stock, that started picking up more of their medical care. And guess what happened? Yes, it cost money. It cost real money, millions and millions of dollars. But what happened? Performance increased. Retention increased. Turnover went down. 
customer satisfaction went up, net promoter score went up, and the company started doing better. And that to me is illustrative of this central truth that if you take care of your people as a business leader, they are going to take care of you and your company is going to be better for it. His book is The Man Who Broke Capitalism. David Gellis joins us beyond the mic, and it's time for the Rocky Nade. Eight random questions. Answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. There's no pressure. David, one of your first jobs was a, being a web manager for the busiest aviation site on the internet. What's your favorite prop airplane? Oh boy, I am not an aviation expert. I was a sales guy, man. I was selling web ads. I don't know my prop airplanes. <laughs> Where's your favorite place on the Boston University campus? Oh, that big quad. It's right in the middle of the city, but there's this little oasis at the center of campus that makes you feel like you're just miles away from, from the hubbub of it all. Now you believe in meditation. Where do you get most of your meditation done? Uh, a beautiful spot in Western Massachusetts called Barry, B-A-R-R-E. It's just an idyllic place that uh, has been the home to a lot of beautiful and peaceful days for me. Favorite of all your corner office conversations? First one that comes to mind is Eileen Fisher, the, the woman behind her uh, eponymous clothing brand, because she was completely unscripted. She was a thousand percent honest, and I so appreciated that. David, you've written for arts, books, sports, obituary, and now stationed at the Climate Desk at the New York Times. Which department holds a special place in your heart? The Business Desk is where I've spent the most time, but the Climate Desk, where I am right now, I think is one of the most important stories in the world. Now, companies have special benefits. What's the benefit that you have at the New York Times that is your favorite? We get into all the museums in New York for free. Really? Wow, that's cool. If you could have interned anywhere in the world, which company would you would like to have worked with? I'd love to work inside Apple. It's one of the hardest companies to get to know as a reporter, and it has a really exceptional culture that is very hard for outsiders to understand by all accounts. So I'd love to get the chance to see it up close. Are you OCD about anything? No, I'm pretty laid back, even though I'm a Virgo. <laughs> which company are the gold standard for the future? I don't think there is one yet, and I think we need one. Why? Because we're living in the world that Jack Welch helped create, and it's a broken world where the riches of this land are just not evenly distributed, and we need to reset, and business needs to help heal a broken world. There's no other way around it. It's time for One Big Question with author David Gellis. The Man Who Broke Capitalism is his book. David, has the world reached a point where looking back at the ways things used to be is too destructive than looking toward a way that where things need to be. I think about it as a pendulum swinging back and forth. And if you think about the last 50 years and things moving away from sort of this idealized period in the post-war years where companies really were taking more equitable care of their people and their communities and going towards this highly inequitable world that we live in today, I think we're right at that moment of sort of pause as the pendulum on that grandfather clock starts to swing back. And perhaps as that movement starts to occur, more and more of our people, our communities, our families are gonna receive some of the benefits that are accruing in these corporations. And maybe they'll really start showing up on the ground in our towns and cities across this country. Where can people find you? The book is The Man Who Broke Capitalism. My name is David Gellis, G-E-L-L-E-S. My website is davidgellis.com. You can find him meditating in Barry. It's 
fairly laid back and would like to have interned at Apple. His book, The Man Who Broke Capitalism, is available now. We thank David Gellis for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you. And that, my friends, is a Beyond the Mic shortcut. 